This program is for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or a recommendation that any particular investor should purchase or sell any particular security. All expressions of opinions are subject to change without notice and are those of the on-air cast of the Stock Doctor's Prescription and not necessarily those of International Assets Advisory, LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investments mentioned in this program may not be suitable for all investors. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. All information presented about tax considerations affecting client financial transactions or arrangements is not intended as tax advice and should not be relied on for the purpose of avoiding any tax penalty. You should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional before entering into any trade or transaction. Paging Dr. Seiler. Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use the Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to the Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional dad jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescription starts now. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I am a million-dollar Bill Keevan, along with Nikki Ward, the megalennial, Jared Bocart, the fiscal therapist, and the one and only... Lee Seiler, the stock doctor himself. Uh, we you. are here. Uh, if, if you want to reach out to us, send us an email at feedback at stockdr.com. That's feedback at stockdr.com. Yeah, and um, we did get an email because it was somebody from a client event last week. They wanted to talk about, we'll talk about it later, some uh, things that, Nikki, the megalennial, you were really interested in and kind of know quite a bit. Yeah, you know. And that is blockchain. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm right? looking forward to it. But, you know, it's Wednesday, high noon, and uh, I want to talk about what happened last week. The market's really had a pretty good week, and and thus far, the month of April, and we talked about this last week, that the month of April has not had a down month since 2012. So last week, the Dow was up almost 2%, the S&P 500 up 2.75, the NASDAQ had the biggest rebound because you're starting to see some of the big cap growth tech names starting to make moves again so the nasdaq up 3.13 the russell 2000 was uh, the laggard only up about one half of one percent uh, strength last week came from it information technology had a pretty good week consumer discretionary uh, communication services but on the weak side we continue to see weakness in energy and and you know we it's we kind of got lucky, and sometimes, uh, you know, we say this all the time, you're never, ever, if you're buying stocks or buying a stock or buying the markets, you're never going to catch the exact lows very often. I mean, you may get lucky here and there, and you're never going to sell the highs. And we pretty much, when we got out of our uh, energy ETF that we owned for quite a while, not when I say quite a while, we owned it for about a year or so and, and did pretty well in it, um, got out near the high, but we still own our ExxonMobil position only because it's paying a great yield where we bought it from. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, buying and selling, catching the lows, difficult task. And, Fool's errand. And, and if people try to do that, it's uh, you're going to just be sitting and not investing in anything. Uh, and you're going to be losing money. A lot of money. Well. Most likely. You, you know, that's especially the day trading scenario that yep. we're seeing a lot of. Oh, yes. But, uh, you know, advancers led decliners last week about two to one. New York Stock Exchange high lows. Good number. So the breadth of the market was pretty strong. Here's where my concerns are. I think the market has gotten very frothy 
I think that uh, we started getting frothiness back in February. We saw that, and it's it's now getting frothy once again. Uh, you have earnings season coming out starts started already today. Yep. So earnings have already started, and, oh, and we'll get Alcoa? into it. No, 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 no more. Oh, sorry, sorry. I the travel banks, back in time again. Yes, the banks now start <laughs> earnings season. I just, but I just really want to see Credit Suisse. That's yeah, well, I'm concerned with. I, it's not going to affect their quarter now, but they're going to have to take some charge down. So we'll see. Um, look, the bullishness out there is running rampant. It is is very, very, very frothy. So here's what we see. Here we see the the VIX index at extreme lows, and it's the lowest level in a year. We see the put call ratio. Very, very bullish, which, again, it's contrarian theory, and it typically does play out. There are way too many bulls out there, and there's a lot of complacency. And the bulls versus bears out, the advisors, advisors that are bullish, 56.9% versus bearish, 20.4%. That is historically a very bearish overall number for the market. Yes, Bill? So I want you to tell me what you mean when you say frothy. Because when you say frothy... I imagine volatility, which isn't historically low VIX. I imagine nice cold beer. <laughs> I, I, no, I think things are extended. Okay. And there's speculation so again. So you think like there's air in it. There's not as much substance. Right. And I don't think we're seeing, we're going to see there a is. market crash by yeah, any means. But I, I see there's a, look, we talked about this last week. There are three 5% corrections per year. So to have a 5% correction is normal. To have a 10% correction is pretty normal. And we are likely going to see that. But so here's what we, we try and do for our clients. We try to position our clients in a way that, yes, we want to participate in the market. If you are pre-retired or retirement age, you probably don't have any business be full bore stock market. But you can do things to create alpha. And you may be asking yourself, what is alpha? Actually, I was thinking about asking this slightly different question. Okay. What is alpha? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant question. Really makes me stop and consider. Alpha is outperformance. Outperforms your indexes. I like to think of it too as active return on an investment in comparison to the market, the index, the sector. Well, yeah, it's it's just trying to create that. So for example, if if the index is doing ten percent and you're doing eleven, you've got that little bit of alpha. I'd prefer the one that's up eleven percent personally. That's that's okay too. So alpha, there's a couple ways you can create alpha. And I think one of the most important ways you can create alpha is by not losing as much. We do want to protect in a down market, and that's just as important so, as participating in an up market. Exactly. And what we try to do with a lot of clients, especially the ones that are, are really don't want to tolerate the 30% drawdown to the 40% draw. Look, we saw a, a more than 30% drawdown last year in March. So we were using tools in our investment management practice, and these tools are pseudo structured products but there are etfs that we can use there are different annuities that we can use we can use these in within retirement funds but what they do they give you the lion's share and bill bill knows what lion's share is by the way what so lion's share is all of it <laughs> aesop's fable do we want to hear the story oh uh, yes i do okay, so lion's so, share all right so this is the the aesop's fable the lion's share the lion the uh, hyena, the jackal, and the cheetah go out to hunt together, and they kill a zebra. And then the lion says, I'm going to take a quarter of this because it was my idea. And I'm going to take a quarter of this because I was the leader. And I'm going to take a quarter of it because I did most of the work. And I'm going to take the last quarter because I don't think any of you can take it from me. The lion's share is all of it. Okay. So... I'm not saying all of it. Then not the lion's share. Interesting. I was today years old when <laughs> yeah, I learned that. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's the first thing I've heard that. 
So basically, now we can tell you about Aesop. Never mind. <laughs> what we're trying to do Tune is in next trying, week for Bill's we're, fables. We're trying to capture a big chunk of the market return. We're trying to capture, but we're trying to limit some losses. Some of these structured products will actually give you either buffers, meaning that you can limit or at least skip the first ten percent downside, or fifteen percent downside, or even twenty five percent downside. But you get limited to the upside, and these are liquid ETFs that we use in our practice. There are others that give you a floor. So there are, there are things out there that we can invest for our clients that, guess what? You're never going to walk away with less than 90% of what you put in. And you get to capture most of the upside because you can you can invest 80% in the stock market. This sounds a lot easier than option spread trading, which I've <sighs> sure for years. And people can actually <laughs> understand it a lot better as well. But we've been uh, talking with clients and finding that if you can define the outcome and define the downside – they sleep easier at night. Absolutely. And what would be most people are okay with some volatility. They're okay with actually the markets going down. What they don't want to see is the big one. Right. Well, most people are okay with the markets going down as long as their holdings don't. I'm okay with some true. volatility as long as true. I don't lose any money. I don't mind <laughs> fluctuations as long as, you know, my principal stays exactly I right. I fluctuations as long as they're all up. Elizabeth, <laughs> it's the big one. It's coming, Elizabeth. <laughs> so people are afraid of the big I'm one. I'm going to explain that to them during the Yeah, break. they don't know. They don't know what Stanford says. <laughs> we'll talk um, about it during the break. But if the, if the markets were down 40%, how would you feel if your portfolio is down 30 to 40% if you're in retirement? That's where the problem lies. And it's not just people in retirement. Oh, different people have different risk tolerance. You're absolutely right. Not, yeah, it's, it's, yeah my, my wife has no risk tolerance, just none. Right. When, when the markets go down and she is opening up her 401k every day to tell me what the balance is. Mm. And I said, it's or you could my, not do that. Right. It's or you could just rules. not do just, that. Well, you're going to drive yourself crazy if you look at your 401k balance every day. Well, and I know people throw the term diversification around all the time. That's a, it's a really loosely used term. But- one thing about diversification, and, and I know a lot of folks in that pre-retirement, retirement age have that traditional 60-40 portfolio of 60% in the stock market, 40% in bonds, but that is not going to work today. And the reason is because the 40-year the bond bull market is over. So that 40% of your portfolio that's in bonds, a lot of those portfolios are in 10, 15, 20-year bonds, which will get smoked and have been getting smoked this year because rates have jumped so significantly. So what we try to do is do something different within that fixed income. Look for things that are floating rate. Look for short-term duration. These are things that we try to do for our clients because, again, we try to create alpha by not losing money. Everybody loses in a down market. You're going to lose money, okay, unless you're buying just puts yeah, and, and, and they're totally, totally bare strategy. But a, a most uh, a normal investor that has just their generic portfolio that's long positions, they are generally all going to go down when the market goes down. So the key is not to go down as much. And also, when it does start turning around, be able to jump on these opportunities. And that's what we're going to talk about coming up in the other segments is some of those sectors that we believe are the opportunities because Alpha is also created by looking at themes of the market, thematic investing, sector rotation. And this is kind of some of the stuff that we do within our market and uh, money management. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. If you want to talk to anybody that you're hearing on the show today, give us a call, 1-888-855-2855. We're not going to put you on the air. We're going to talk with you because everyone comes at this with a different set of risk tolerances and positions they already hold. That's why you need to talk to someone that understands you and understands what you're trying to accomplish and where you're coming from. 888 855 
888-528-2855. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN 1510 AM and 105.3 FM. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio KFNN. Uh, We are into the second segment now. You still have something that you didn't get finished in that first segment. This is a very detailed outline. Can you please stick to the plan? Yeah, I'm trying to. (laughs) Uh, no, you know, I mentioned thematic investing because a lot of people really don't do that. With a 60-40 portfolio, you have... 60% 60% in growth mutual funds or growth ETFs and 40% in bond mutual funds or bond ETFs. But there are pieces of that equity portfolio that you need to have. And these are things that, and that's all about sector rotation. Because the bottom line is the reason not only the market goes up, but sector rotation is you see it all the time. Just because the market's going down, there are things going up. So what we look at in our thematic investing, I'm just going to throw out a few sectors that we believe are going to do really well going forward, no matter what the market does. Now, of course, if we have a big drop, initial reaction, sure, knee-jerk. But I, and, and we've talked about this in the past, but clean energy is here to stay. I mean— Much to your chagrin. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not crazy about it, but it's here to stay. And we own clean energy, and we do that via ETFs. Uh, I think that 5G is, is not here to stay. It's coming, and it's going to be huge, and there's going to be billions and billions and billions spent— in all things 5G. We're going to be able to download a full 8K movie 500 times faster than 4G LTE. And uh, another one is cybersecurity. Cybersecurity. It's yeah. not going anywhere. We're not going to be investing oh. less in right. data protection moving forward. Companies are going to spend more. And one thing that we just recently did for clients, and uh, we did this in our in our portfolios, we added not only some, uh, in the last two weeks, some individual uh, semiconductor stocks we did buy some semiconductor ETFs for uh, a, a good portion of our clients that can assume the volatility in semiconductors because my belief is, yes, there's a chip shortage. At some point, that pent-up demand is going to get so large, you're going to get supply, and that supply is going to be gone through quickly, and that's going to really reflect their earnings going forward. And when you talk about ETFs, I know that the show's relatively new back on the market in Phoenix, so it, what is the difference between an ETF and a mutual fund? I just went over that with a client today. An ETF is a, I call it a hybrid between a mutual fund and an individual stock. So as you know, mutual funds, when you put an order in at 11 a.m. in the morning, doesn't get executed, whether it's a buy or sell, till the end of the day, and they calculate the net asset value. A stock trades on a ticker symbol, and it trades instantaneously if you have a market order. So you put those together, you have a fund, a diversified portfolio like a mutual fund, but yet trades like a stock. And there's always new shares being created in ETFs. And I want to get our friends over at First Trust. I want to get one of their traders on the line because it's really interesting how they can create new shares of mutual funds intraday. Yeah, I I just usually say it's it's a mutual fund that can be traded at any time um, during the market hours. Yeah, and it's it's more tax efficient. Usually that's the easiest way to explain it that I've seen. More tax efficient. Um, And, and, you know, one of those ETFs I was talking about, the structured ones with with the buffer, uh, Nikki, we've been using a lot of these for bond replacements. If you are – a lot of people say, I want bonds. They don't need the income from the bonds. They just don't want the volatility of stocks. So what if you can buy an ETF that gives you S&P 500 exposure with 8% upside and all you have is 5% downside, but then the next 25% downside 
you're covered by the ETF and they do that via options. It's a beautiful replacement for the traditional bond exposure in portfolios. And we have found that there are two different types. So there's the deep buffer, like you just explained. And then there is one for someone who, you know, is a little bit more willing to take on some risk, but doesn't want to see, like you said, the big drop. So that one would be the first 10% of downside is covered by the company. So if the S&P 500 you know, so now we're in April, May. So May 1st, 2022, if the S&P is down 11%, you as the investor, you're down 1%. Right. And then they do cap your upside, but it's what, 15, 14% on the upside? Yep. Mm-hmm. Depends on rates at the time. And, and it's just, it, again, it's really just a beautiful thing. If you, if I could tell you, hey, in your bond portfolio, you can make up to 8%, people would be thrilled. Tell me yeah. of a, a T-note that is going to generate 8%. Well, that's what it kind of goes back to the bonds. It People, you hear bonds and you automatically think, oh, I can get like a four to, six, four to six percent return too, um, outpace inflation and stuff. That is not the case anymore. That was the case 10, 20 years ago, maybe. Um, so 2000 but, and late. Yeah, so 2000 and late. <laughs> Jeez, we're going millennial on this show, guys. Well, and rates, and, and based on what we're seeing out there with CPI came in, it just came in at uh, for the month of March, up 6%. For uh, mm, one point year, six. Point six, excuse me, point six percent for the year, two point six for the past year, two point six percent, which is which is pretty hot number. But can we also talk about the base effect? So just like we were talking about last week, how we're doing the comparisons of year to date, yeah. twelve months ago. Mm-hmm. So these comparisons for inflation are based off of March of last year when the bottom was falling out. Right. So that creates this oh this you know this exuberation around these you know, increasing rates that aren't really that dramatic. Well, no. think about this, though. It's, half half of the CPI gain in the month of March was uh, gas prices. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you look at a lot of people are looking, especially people in the 401ks are looking at the stock returns for their for their um, portfolios from year to day or well, year, 12 months. year, 12 right. months. And you're like, oh, man, this fund did great. It's up 50 percent. It's like, well. Well, yeah, everything. Yes, was, everything was. Like <laughs> Every, uh, we uh, we saw, talked to somebody today. Came in the office. Their twelve month return was twenty eight percent, and they which it, seems great. You, seems it would sound great. great, but if you look what the S and P did in that twelve months, we're talking from March, March to March, March. it was fifty five percent. So, so what we're seeing here is that the um the, these CPI numbers were better than expected, a little hotter than expected. Gas prices rose nine point one percent in the month of March nationwide, and it's twenty two and a half percent from a year ago wild and food also it's up 0.1 percent for the month and three and a half percent for the year so you know the the big elephant in the room we haven't talked about was uh, the fda putting the pause on the j&j vaccine i can't tell you how many people including my wife said i want the jj one and done how many people said, one and done i want one and done it is a perk oh i i got moderna and uh, i'm still alive <laughs> and i have a third eye yet and i'm not going another boob so that being said another? i that, look I have two. <laughs> yeah, my sister yesterday got the second to last one that they gave out at Valencia oh, wow. before they shut it down. Look, it's it, look, I understand that the FDA, their their main priority is is their priority is safety of these vaccines. And and yes, uh I heard Kramer talking yesterday about it, is this gonna slow down the opening trade? And and I didn't think so either, but he said, you know what, it's a little blip what's been a really smooth rollout of all these vaccines. It has been. Uh, I mean, if there's if there is anything that can derail the market, it is another coronavirus scare, though. Um, Absolutely. But I will so. say, I mean, it is comforting, in my opinion, that a the 
there's transparency, that they are calling yeah. this to our attention. It goes to show that this isn't something that they're doing in a dark room that no one can see. And they didn't revoke the emergency use authorization. They just put a pause and they said, we need to dig a little bit deeper. Let us do that. They're still rolling out Moderna and Pfizer. I was say, the only thing I don't like is that There's seven cases, right? Yeah, seven out of seven million in the U.S. And AstraZeneca is obviously very similar in the U.K. Uh, they have 12 out of... Uh, okay. Eight million, and it seems like the younger younger women, younger 18, women, right. is, younger women um, under fifty. Um, but realistically, in comparison, you they expect one point three five cases of the CVST, which is the blood clotting disorder, um, per ten thousand um, people. Uh, by comparison, four out of ten thousand would experience that by taking birth control. So you there wonder- are going to be there are going to be side effects to pretty much anything if you if we used uh, i think i forget where i heard it but they were saying today if you took away all the medications that help immensely in this world that have potential side effects well you just wiped out every single medication on the planet i what i was uh what i think they're doing when they're doing this research is they're trying to find out if this medicine is this vaccine is actually contributing or if it's something which is happening I mean, coincidentally. Right. Is it causation or say, correlation? I, yeah. I'd have to say it's probably a correlation, but again, we, there's no, they haven't found one yet. Um, I'm assuming they're going to be looking at this um, under a microscope. So we'll see what happens. Well, and look, let's talk about what it did to the stock. So J and J was down yesterday, down 1.34%, two bucks. Uh, it was down a lot further, closed at the high of the day. I mean, of course, as you can imagine, huge volume, uh, they will report earnings in, in seven days. So, like I said, this week, earnings season does start. So you have the banks reporting, and uh, that's all of them. All the big ones are going to report. And then next week, you have the other ones, the healthcare companies. But I, I still think that you know J&J, this drug is probably going to get back in usage here over the next couple of weeks when they figure out how to combat this, I would think. I would, I would imagine. I would think so. I, mean, I, think what, I think what the main thing will probably happen is they're going to put out a warning or maybe for women under the age of 40 or 50 to avoid it and go with either Pfizer or Moderna. Right. Right. And And as well as telling healthcare professionals about like what signs to look for, as well as educating the public so that that way, I mean, these blood clots don't have to be the end all be all. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Citi's chief U.S. equity strategist, Tobias Lefkovich. He believes that we are kind of looking like uh, we're partying like it's 1999. Once again, a little bubbly he's talking about. Little bubbly. It, well, but Prince doesn't have any songs about 2021. No, he doesn't. Too it's bad he didn't write Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he was great. Loves Prince. But anyway, he's talking about there's some pressure on the fund managers. They're having to catch up on returns now. A lot of folks right. that have been kind of in the wrong sectors or been on been growth or value when it was the wrong time, uh, they're way behind. So uh, he's talking about how the pressure is on and they're buying regardless. We're going to talk more about that. We're also going to have our uh, millennial moment coming up and uh, talk about uh, Robinhood that has 9.5 million users trading cryptocurrencies. That's that makes me feel comfortable nuts. about the markets right there. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be right back with more on the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio KFNN, 1510 AM and 105.3 FM. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN, 1510 AM, 105.3 
FM. I am a million dollar Bill Keevan, along with Nikki Ward, the megalennial. She's going to be uh, with us in just a few moments with the millennial moment. Also, here is our fiscal therapist, Jared Bocart. Uh, not pictured, this just in, Justin Kenny, who is uh, just out. Uh, but he'll be back. He'll be back. Uh, he'll He's be just back recovering. Next week. Yes. And he'll be back. So, uh, But you want to talk about a uh, little bit about the, uh, Mr. Lefkowitz. Yes, it's uh, Lefkowitz. He is the uh, U.S. equity strategist at City, and he, he thinks that there's going to be uh, a, an issue here with FOMO. It's fear of missing out. A lot of the fund managers have really missed out on this move. Everybody thought, you know, think about what happened last year. You had a global pandemic, an, uh, an election, and yet the market did extremely well, better than most people thought. He believes things are very bubbly, and he can see something. Now, this is his opinion, and his opinion only. By the way, these are all opinions. This is not something you can take action on. But he believes that it, you could see something like a dot-com drop. 80%, by the way, the dot-coms dropped on average in seven months. That's what you saw. And what his concern is, we are at all-time highs. You had blowout job numbers. You have the $2 billion plan, uh, Biden's uh, infrastructure plan sentiment, I, like I said earlier, is very worrisome because it is extremely, extremely bullish. Fed printing money like crazy. Um, investment, The investment community is way too upbeat and not showing any signs of concern for a plausible tax increase that's being proposed. So uh, not to mention, he thinks companies are going to have a way tougher forecast going forward in the next few quarters. So in addition to that, uh, we have people who are going to make things difficult for us. Well, <laughs> you know what? Not to mention, growth, growth stocks are trading at 37 times earnings, the highest level since 1999. Yeah. They're YOLOing. <laughs> well, they kind you of only are. live once. Yeah. Well, and... Of those of those 9.5 million traders on Robinhood trading cryptocurrencies, that is a YOLO group of 9.5 million people. And it's people like that, like we talked about last week, that run up these tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands worth of, of tax bills because they don't understand what they're doing. This is where you start seeing chinks in the armor and things start um, things start to fall apart. It is time now for the Millennial Moment with Nikki Ward. You love the song, don't you, Nick? Oh, you know it. So Bitcoin, one of my favorite topics, hit a fresh high above 63,000 yesterday. So it has more than doubled since the start of the year. Ether, the second most valuable digital coin after Bitcoin, also set a fresh record, climbing to $2,230. Some are linking these fresh gains to today's equity market debut for crypto exchange Coinbase at a valuation of about $100 billion. Ticker symbol COIN, C-O-I-N. So this is comparable to concerns that retail investors had in 2012 with the IPO of Facebook, which also had... <laughs> A 100 billion valuation, which its valuation implies that its revenue will be one and a half times the combined 2020 revenues of the Nasdaq and the New York Stock Exchange wow. parent Intercontinental Exchange. Wow. Two of the most established exchange marketplaces. Now, I think this does remind me of the dot com time frame when yeah. NFTs, when, 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 when companies. Yeah didn't really have anything other than a name with a dot com on it exactly. and that was enough to get investors interested is there real 
value in these cryptocurrencies. Admittedly, I'm a million years old and I don't get it. Cryptocurrencies, questionable. Blockchain, undeniable, in my opinion. And, you know, to be fair, again, these are all opinions. I could be dead wrong. But, but, but blockchain is being used now. For, I don't think anybody knows for certain. For blockchain, yes. I, I yeah. think it's fairly, pretty fairly certain that it's going to be used in the future. For crypto, I think it's anybody's guess. There's a few different theories on it. We've obviously heard a lot of them. And this could be the potential catalyst that brings cryptocurrencies to Main Street, if Coming you will. To make it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of uh, 1999 hits. Yeah. Uh, so Coinbase is a platform used to trade over 50 cryptocurrencies, and it started originally with just Bitcoin. It has 56 million users, serves 7,000 institutional customers, and 115,000 ecosystem partners in over 100 company, er, countries. So it allows for investors to have a digital wallet to store cryptocurrencies on, which is a huge problem that people that are investing in this space find. It's expanded the offer for, with the ability to store, stake, borrow, and lend through its platform with the cryptocurrencies. It licenses analytic tools to law enforcement and financial institutions, provides software to help developers build blockchain wait, applications. Wait, wait. So what does that mean? So that's the idea that regulation is one of the uh, top threats that they see to their business model. They have 27 bullet points in their perspectives on the volatility risks and regulation is one of them. And so this will allow for law enforcement and financial institutions to have a track of the transactions that are happening on the blockchain. So that way it's not this opaque thing that's happening underground, right? Which is not at all what blockchain is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about a decentralized ledger that is public access that because it is connected to a vast network of computers, can't be altered. The bank, the big banks are using it. So Morgan mm-hmm. Stanley, as well as Goldman Sachs. The big city uses it too. Yeah, and so, I mean, Robinhood also allows for it. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's 96% of Coinbase's total revenue comes from transaction fees. So I'm very curious to see if we're going to see a race to the bottom, similar to what we saw with commissions in trading, if something like that is going to eat into you know, the revenue that Coinbase generates. Hold on. Did you say 90%? Yeah. 96%. 96%. So how do they grow exponentially, which is what a requirement is of this market capitalization, so you, if you, they're at 96% of what they make is based on fees? And But, I mean, revenue surged to $1.8 billion in the first quarter of 2021, 844% higher than revenue from Q1 2020. Their verified use, verified users jumped up sixty five percent year over year. But Bill makes a great point there yeah. because we are in a fee compression era. Right? Yeah, if you're already almost at capacity and fees are probably likely to go down at some point as right. it gets more right. usable. The only way that this can work is if everyone starts trading on this platform. Well, imagine, right. Yeah. And, and the only way that that works is if nobody else comes up with another platform. And that, my friends, That's is not unlikely. how things work. Right. Oh, yeah. But they are the first. So. They have the potential to be the verb, if you will, you know, so they'll be the Uber be the or the, Uber. right, they'll well, define the marketplace. Uh, every time you say Coinstar, I think we're taking Coinbase, our, not Coinstar. I, I, I'm not I, going to Walmart and depositing my change. We're taking buckets of coins in and we're cashing them in. Now, I mean, this this could be similar to like what what happened last week with the guy doing $45 million in trades. They're, uh, they're anticipating that people are going to be trading in and out of these cryptocurrencies and they're making money off those trades. Yeah. And then, of course, if they don't... Uh, Wait thirty right. days on the losses. Yep. Uh, they get the the wash rule problem like this. That person you're talking about. But now, if you look at, let's take a look at what the the blockchain type 
investments are doing. And, and really, you, you got to look at it on the form of ETFs. The ETF, blockchain ETFs are doing pretty well. All right. Um, they're one, one of those thematic They're thematic, ETFs. yes. And, and one of them is, uh, these aren't recommendations by any means. These are, uh, one's Riot Blockchain and the ticker symbol Riot. And then there's one, uh, Ledger, L-E-G-R, which is, uh, we have a little bit of that for some clients. But it's, uh, it, they've all done well, near 52-week highs. I also think that ARK will be investing in their fintech uh, in Coinbase. It will become one of their holdings. We'll see. There are a lot of disruptive and innovative funds that I think will be adding this to their portfolio. All right. I'll be keeping my eye on it. Well, that's our very own Megalennial herself. As she waves her arms up in the air, along with Million Dollar Bill Keevan. But this has been her Millennial Moment. Bill, you have no rhythm at all. But that is true. Terrible. It is how my people dance. <laughs> if you ever go to the Caucasus Mountains, you will see all people dancing like me. All right. Uh, you know, uh, before we go, and I know you have something else you want to talk about, uh, but Not if really. you're interested in talking with Nikki, if you're interested in talking with Jared, if you're interested in talking with Lee or with Justin, uh, give us a call. 855 855- Eight five five two eight five five. That's eight 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 five five two eight five five. You can you can talk to anyone. Tell us what your situation is and what you want to accomplish. And these folks really know what they're talking about, and it's uh, it's a great advantage. Yeah, for, and, and for we'll you to make do, that call. We do free portfolio reviews. So if you have something that you're not sure if it's uh, suitable for you or or something, say hey, what can we add to this portfolio to enhance it? We can help you with that. Along with, uh, we have had tremendous success. I know a lot of people out there have annuities, and a lot of those annuities have unnecessary fees. We have had tremendous success in getting rid of some of these unnecessary fees in your existing annuity. So we will do that as a service as well. All you do is call the office, 888-855-2855. That's 888-855-2855. Tell somebody at the desk you want to talk to uh, one of the people on the radio. And you can choose the name if you, you want. That's perfectly fine. If you have anything you want to ask us about, if you want to send something for the show, that's a different number. It's just letters, and it's an email. It's feedback at stockdr.com. That's feedback at stockdr.com. We're going to come back and close out today's program talking about Warren Buffett and how he screwed up his money for his whole life, and there's no fixing it, Warren! We're going to be right back on stock, the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN, 1510 AM and 105.3 FM. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN. 1510 a.m. and 105.3 FM. I am Million Dollar Bill Keevan, along with Nikki Ward, the Megalennial, uh, Jared Bocart, the fiscal therapist. In fact, we're going to get his A-plus investing tip of the week. Uh, but before that, we want to talk with the stock doctor himself about Warren Buffett and what a screw-up that son of a he gun is. He screwed up his whole portfolio. Uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, I feel the same way as Warren does along these lines. Uh, Warren paid, he made a, uh, a note uh, yesterday in a letter or something. Um, he paid $31,500 for his house in 1958 that he lives in. He right. does live in it. He bought it because he listened to his parents. 
Renting Stupid is idea away, in the uh, first place. Yeah, never listen to your parents. <laughs> Renting is throwing away money. Oh, come on. You know? So uh, he, he, he said that if he had simply invested that money and rented, he'd be richer by $4.7 billion today. Billion with a B. Is that a lot? Uh, a little bit. To Uncle Warren? Nah. Warren says the opportunity cost that, he, that lost, you know, mm-hmm. because of that. Because keep in mind, when you have a home, you have the upkeep, maintenance, taxes, upgrades. And he said he, he was renting from 1955 to 1958 before he bought that house. And he was paying $175 per month. However, right now I'm shopping for a home. <laughs> and if I buy a home, my monthly cost will go down, not up. Versus renting. Correct. Got, yeah, the rents yeah, are high. Yes, but yeah. then, again, going back to that, you're going for upgrades, um, taxes on the home. Uh, once you add in all that stuff, I imagine it's going to be a, at least similar to I, what the renting cost is. I have it has put, to be more. I have put hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of thousands in my house. Right. And, and just BS. I think it's also really valuable the way that Warren Buffett looks at this. So, you know, $1 today compounding at a steady 10% annually can turn into $10.80 in 25 years and $117.40 in 50 years. And that's the way that he thinks of opportunity costs. We're talking I just like somebody like Warren Buffett coming out and saying this because it's almost... You hear, like like, you, like his parents. You we hear everybody's hear like, you need, to, you need to buy a house. You need right. to have that as an asset in your portfolio. And I've always been in the camp like, no, you don't. You don't I, have to. That's, that for some people, it's great. Other people, you don't have to be. Everybody's different. You, you know, I tell you, scenario. here in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area, housing prices are going crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable. A lot of people are moving here. You know, we're familiar with Florida. And, for good and reason. The same it's thing. beautiful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> beautiful I mean, these places, uh, you know, Arizona, Florida, the prices are going up. And I have to tell you, if you if you're buying a house, you better just be planning on living in it for a while because right. you're probably not going to be able to get out of it anytime soon w- with any kind of money in your pocket, you know, right. gain. So I, I think that we're getting towards a. I mean, look, rates are going to go up a little bit. People aren't going to be able to afford what they want to afford. I, I still think that there's a housing shortage out there. And and again, what's helping Arizona and what's helping Florida are the transplants. Right. Right. Uh, huge. There's, there's probably not a housing shortage in North Dakota. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I think West Virginia just came out and they're paying people uh, twelve thousand dollars a year to come work remotely. Sounds like twelve thousand in the first year. First year, I apologize. Um, funded by a Oracle's um, founder, and I so forget his can... name, but I read that Larry today. Ellison. Yeah. Scott. Uh, oh, was Larry Ellison. Yeah, Larry Ellison. Larry yeah, Larry Ellison. Ellison gave He's a, a jerk. Gave a uh, big, <laughs> big grant to them. Um, all right. So we did the Warren Buffett story. It is now time for the as yet unthemed. A plus investment tip. If you have an idea for a good theme song for Jared, send an email to feedback at stockdr.com. And if you have an idea for a bad theme song for Jared, please send two send emails <laughs> to feedback at stockdr.com. At utmost urgency. <laughs> okay, so this is for the teachers out there. Uh, this is number, number four um, on the tips. It's beware of the guy lurking in the teacher's lounge. These guys are that's, salesmen. That's just good are, advice. Or girl. <laughs> or, yes, or girl. These, there are, these insurance companies in the 403B market send in their insurance agents to sell indiscriminately to anybody who walks in. And once you walk into the teacher's lounge, you are in their sites, and they are going to try their best to sell you their product. And most of the time, it's without knowing anything about who you are, what your risk tolerances are, um, or anything about you. So please beware of that and be Go ahead, no, I just, yeah. I just make sure, well, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I want to say that 
you know, we're going to set it up by saying that you specialize in that mm-hmm. 403B market for the teachers and which we can work with teachers in the Phoenix Scottsdale area. We can. So, and but, we want to, we want to help. Uh, we are not, we are not salesmen. We are financial advisors, financial planners that create portfolios for you um, and only you. Uh, and we go based on your risk tolerances uh, and your timelines and create a custom portfolio to make it, to make you get to retirement the way you want to. And so you, if you want to talk with Jared about this, give us a call, 888-855-2855. That's 888-855-2855. And if you do it at like 2 o'clock in the morning and you have a song that you want to play as his theme yes. song, you can sing it and leave it as a message. And that, I think, is the well, key. between Lee and I, one of us will be we'll up at some point. Song. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get a say. You don't get a say in the song. No, you're already, I'm, you're already already I'm going to intercept it. I'm going to put, no. a, uh, I'm put a alert. He, he already um, named himself. So, um, not name, but Jer- Jared is very passionate about working with the educators because his mom was an educator. And uh, so he's very passionate about trying to do the right thing. He, he saw that his, his mom didn't get any help from their salesmen or people that were working with them. We, we sent a great article to a few clients um, last week, Lee, the one that I showed you. Um, and if you would like to look at it, just, again, send us an email. Um, but it kind of describes what's going on in the 403B market and how it, it's really... Some of the teachers are getting kind of... really... They're getting the schooled. Put to them. They're getting schooled. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> I right. think the pun was intended. Okay, um, intended. <laughs> having intended puns in the past... That one was intended. It felt intended. You know, and um, but, you know, we had a, we have a few minutes left, and uh, Jared came to me with uh, something that was really interesting, and it was a situation, and and I have had this situation with a client before, and it's it's all about, you know, I've been doing this so long, I do not get emotional about stocks. I truly don't. Whether going up or down, I mean, yeah, I get excited, call myself guru a couple times, <laughs> but that's all you need before the market slaps you in the face because it will. But you know, a lot of folks get really emotional, especially for the companies they work for. And we've one of our rules, Bill, that we've talked about for years is, you know, don't put all your money, don't put all your eggs in one basket in the company that you work for. So this guy, this guy visited a financial planner's office. He had a, a little over four million dollars in company stock that he retired from. It was a tech company. Um, there is no timeline in the story, so I imagine it probably was near the bubble uh, in 1999. Um, he worked for the company for most of his life, loved it. He had over four, again, over $4 million in company stock, no other savings or retirement accounts to his name. Okay? From day one, that, that planner had told him that he needed to sell all the stock and diversify. Um, and his concern, though, was that, oh, well, it's going to cost him about $600,000 in long-term capital gain taxes. Um, so they convinced him that he was going to sell 1,000 shares every week until it made up only 50% of his portfolio. Um, he did for the first few months, then came back into the office and stopped that systematic selling of the stock because the stock had risen 10%. And as his advisors, they had cost him uh, money by selling uh, the stock over those past two months. Now, unfortunately, within eight months, I don't know why I'm laughing. This is sad. Within eight months, that stock had fallen from its high and lost 96% yeah. of its value. And that was his entire portfolio. You, you know, I had that situation, a client that worked at Intel for many, many years, and he had tons of money in Intel. Did not want to sell it because he owned it at really low cost basis, you know, 5 $8. This is back in the heyday when Intel mm-hmm. was uh, 60 right. 70 bucks. And uh, I told him, say, we got to sell some of this stuff. He goes, no, I'd rather just margin against it and diversify that way, but I don't want to. And the stock got murdered. And he basically, he had around the same amount of money, four or five million dollars, ended up being down like, uh, you know, to a million dollars or something like that. It was just ridiculous. 
And and I, I said, hey, he didn't want to pay the taxes, but guess what? You paid the tax. Yeah, Nikki and I were talking about it. Go ahead, Nikki. It is you so foolish and yeah. short-sighted for people to think about, oh, I just don't want to pay Uncle Sam. But if you don't pay Uncle Sam, he's going to get a bite of it no matter what. But it's not a punishment. It's a reward because you Thank chose you. to take some risk, invest hopefully in a little bit more of a diversified manner than either yes. of these two clients and people. But still, I just I cannot wrap my mind around how... How people are so unwilling. Well, they just don't want to write that check. You were in with me in an appointment with that one client. Yeah. I had to yeah, tell absolutely. him. We weren't talking that that kind of numbers, but this guy's a working class guy, and he has these mutual funds he's had for 20-something years. That's back the to cost the, of yes. playing. <laughs> yeah. And it shouldn't be just a a free-for-all because then we would have just mayhem. Sure, taxes are hard to swallow. We're not saying a $600,000 check. It's a hard check to write, of course. But it's worth lowering the risk. Um rather than potentially losing most of your portfolio in one fell swoop. No, I totally agree. And I, and I saw it happen, you know, had a client, saw it happen. And you know, look, when you work at a company like Intel, you're proud of that. Hey, we've been there. We built things. It, it's great. But you also work at Enron and, and uh, MCI WorldCom. Yeah, yeah. look at it as, a, as a, not as a cost burden, but rather as a reward for investing well. Yeah. You no, did well. Smart. If you owe that much money, you did really well. Sometimes, Take your gains. Sometimes you got to pay the tax. It's just the way it is. It's the way it is, Bill. Well, it is time to wrap up yet another week of the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I want to say thank you to Nikki Ward, the Megalennial, Jared Bocart, the Fiscal Therapist, and, of course, the Stock Doctor. Give us a call at the office, 888-855-2855, or send us an email at feedback at stockdr.com. This has been the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN, 1510 AM and 105.3 FM. Find out more about The Stock Doctor at StockDR.com or call 1-888-855-2855.